Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hello there. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. This is Joy Rios. And on every show from Hit Like a Girl, we talk about how complicated healthcare is. Super complicated. Very complicated. Piece puzzle. Today we have a very special guest. I would like to give her a moment to introduce herself. Hello, my name is Dana Trampas. I am a digital health advisor. I'm a mom. I'm sandwich generation. I'm also working on my MPH right now. I'm in grad school. So doing a lot of things all at one time. What do you mean sandwich generation? Is that like a elder millennial? (laughs) (laughs) Sandwich generation is somebody who is in between two generations. Uh I have a mother, an elderly parent, and then I also have a child that's under like five years old. So thus the sandwich generation, which there is many, many women who find themselves in that position of being kind of a caretaker for an older generation and a younger generation. Thank you for sharing that. I did not know that. Yeah. In those terms. That's really great. Yeah. So one of the reasons why we are introducing you today is because uh, you will be our next guest host for Global Health Equity Week coming up in October. Yes. You will be hearing much more. We will be hearing much more from Dana. Yes. uh, Because you'll be sharing your insights and having some pretty amazing conversations with women that you feel are worthy of being on the show, correct? Yes, women that are making an impact in health equity and trying to break down what health equity means and what does global health equity mean, right? We just were through a pandemic. Every country around the globe had their own way of reacting to the crisis. And we saw how some areas were access to resources first and others did not. And kind of breaking that down and understanding what does that mean? What does global health equity mean? Well, I want to hear a little bit more about your MPH program, because I would imagine that a lot of what you're learning through there is influencing the lens that you're seeing in the world. Is there anything that you can share with us? Maybe even some stories or specific examples of like what you're learning and versus the reality that we see. Definitely. Well, public health is a very broad field. It impacts so many elements of our health. I started with the policy side, which I've 
feel so passionately about and how do you evaluate a law for its impact on health equity, right? We've seen reproductive care, we've seen LGBTQIA rights and uh, gender affirming care and the impact that that has on health, Uh, epidemiology, right? Foodborne illnesses, taking a look at restaurants or any places where there could be an outbreak, much like the pandemic, right? How did we know that the pandemic was coming and how it happened? It was through public health and through epidemiology. That aspect, social determinants of health, right? We talk about that all the time. These forces that are impacting our health, they say over 70% of our health is determined outside of a healthcare setting. So, and that's what public health does. It takes a very proactive approach to healthcare. Healthcare in itself is very much a disease management system, right? You come in when you have your broken leg. You come in when you're sick. And public health takes that proactive approach. We need to pass laws so people are wearing a seatbelt, right? So that we prevent these things from happening. Uh, Public health does all of these elements that we kind of don't get to see. And a lot of times because of that, it sort of takes on this socialist type of point of view. A lot of in my intro class talked about that, that politically it's kind of seen as a socialist way of, of looking at Why things. should we care about people and their living conditions and what food that they have on the table and whether they can get to work or not or whether their children can eat? Yeah, or poverty, meal. right? Okay. We saw the latest research that came out that said that ch- uh, child poverty has risen significantly, almost doubled since the pandemic started. And much like the conversation that you just had with your guest prior, we see that we have to set up kids in life for success, right? If we talk about health outcomes, it all starts when you're born and the places that you grow up in, the social situations, the social constructs of our society has a huge impact on your health and what kind of pathway you're going to lead down. Now, I'm curious about your perspective on how we marry uh, the ideas of that happen within public health versus the reality that we are very reactive in our healthcare sis- settings. Yeah. So like you would think that there would be a lot more overlap, but it's act- the Venn diagram is unfortunately... Yeah. Not in a perfect circle, right? We see a lot of just desperate systems that are happening at the same time. But I am seeing more and more at one of the sessions that we had, the physician advocacy, right? We need voices of people in healthcare to be at the table in government on these policies because they're knowledgeable, right? They are the people that are on the front lines doing these things. They're educated. They know health very well. So they need to be in those aspects. So I'm seeing more and more where the worlds are coming together, but it needs to happen more and more for us to really move move the needle. Well, one of the conversations we were both listening to yesterday had to do with gun violence and policies around that. And, you know, the woman was saying, oh, she got some hard feedback saying that, you know, doctors don't belong in this conversation. It's not a healthcare conversation. And she's like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. It very much is. They're the ones that have to deal with it. Certainly. I mean, we see that happening everywhere, right? LGBTQIA plus gender affirming care. We see the American Psychology Association, American Nursing Association, all of these associations coming together and saying, yes, like gender affirming care is needed. It's, it's something that we have to do. So very much we need them there. I think the problem is, is the language. I've learned that 
the way we talk about things in healthcare, the way we talk about things in public health, the way we talk things in law are so different, but we're kind of trying to get to the same thing. It's just, we're speaking different languages. So how do you recommend we address that? Like, um, great question. I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer either, but I feel like I studied theater Right. I studied theater. That was what I had my undergrad in. And my favorite thing was directing. I love to be the director. And when you're the director, you have to bring together the costume designer and the set designer and all of these people together. I'm not an expert in, you know, sewing clothes. I'm not an expert in hanging the lights, but I should know enough to make sure that we're kind of speaking the same language and that I'm mirroring those things so that you understand, like, this is what we need to do. Here's what we have to get done. So I think a lot of it has to do with mirroring that, understanding that language and trying to make sure that we're working towards the same thing. But in our healthcare conversation, who would be the director? That's a great question. I think that's the probably the problem is who's driving the ship? Who's right. the captain of the ship? Because at times it seems like there's too many cooks in the well, kitchen. We had a conversation in, in D.C. recently and it had to do, it revolved around patient education. And it's like, who's responsible for giving yeah. patients education? Is it the doctors? Is it community? Is it the government? And if you were going for a single source of information, like would it be healthit.gov? You know, would it be a vendor? And there is not a good answer. And the problem with that, what we kind of determined was that if the answer is everybody, if everybody is responsible, then essentially nobody is responsible. Mm, Yeah. And I wonder if that is a similar situation that we've gotten ourselves into on a much larger, Mm -hmm. in a much larger context. I think that we've forgotten how to listen to each other. I think everybody wants to be the voice in the room, but... We all need to try to listen to each other better and go with an empathetic approach to things and understanding. I think that could help, but I think it's it's very complicated. It's a complex thing. Healthcare is so complex. You always say 300,000 pieces, right? It's like we're like this big mosaic that we're trying to piece together. So and each one is like, oh, I've got my little blue piece and I've got yeah. my little red piece. And yeah, yeah, it's complicated, but there are people that are doing things to help and to change. And that's the people that I always like to go to and I want to talk to is the people that are in the trenches doing the work with the people. Those are, those are the people that I like to talk to and listen to. So that's great. That's a great segue. So who is it that you are excited to talk with? And also what are some of the topics that we can anticipate that you'll cover? Certainly. So we have Dr. Chang, who's from Asian Health Services. I had met her at the National Association of Community Health Centers, and she is doing a lot of work in social justice and law around human trafficking and how that can be, you know, we talk about public health and healthcare and all of these, bringing all these systems together to change that. She works a lot with um, survivors of human trafficking and that a lot of times interactions happen in the healthcare setting, right? That people come in for an episodic care and then we don't see them again, but there's opportunity there to catch that and to see that. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. We're going to talk to OutCare Health, which is all of gender affirming care providers, right? We see that if you're from the LGBTQIA plus community, if you don't have an affirming provider, like it's just not going to work for you. We know that the outcomes are going to be pretty bad. So we're going to talk about how they created that. So Because I've seen and have heard stories where people will drive two hours mm-hmm. in order to get to an affirming provider. 
Um, we're going to talk to Dr. Ann Snowden at Scan Health Canada about supply chain, right? We saw through the pandemic when you don't get what you want to get from Amazon, people are really upset. So supply chain was a big piece of that puzzle and kind of understanding why should we care about that. And then we're going to talk to the Patient Advocate Foundation, right? Patients. These are the people most impacted in healthcare. So a lot of great conversations going to ha- that are going to happen around global health equity. And interesting to think about conversations that make people uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think the mm-hmm. gender affirming care conversation, people are really uncomfortable about that. And yes. I, one of the things that has shown up for me around that topic is I don't think that we realize how much gender affirming care as cishet people actually are participated. Yeah. I mean, you think about like the things that come to mind are women who get breast implants. That's mm-hmm. gender affirming care. Like men who address hair loss is yes. gender affirming care. Viagra mm-hmm. is gender affirming care. Yes. And none of those have any sort of negative connotations with it. But when we label it as gender affirming care for you know, trans or non-binary people or gender expansive people, then all of a sudden it's scary and terrible. And I get it that hormones are a whole different situation. It complicates things. I'm not a doctor. But in the overall conversation about it, I feel like it should be less scary than we make it out to be. Mm -hmm. And do you have any thoughts? I recently read something about how things are marketed and how that influences the way we think about things. Just thinking about the conversation that you just had about about this before the biases and the thing that I read talked about like how war is marketed in the media and how that can influence the way you perceive something and think about something and I think that there's so many voices out there that we see and then we go oh well I read this TikTok is gonna you know take my data and they're gonna steal this but when you actually do it you go oh it's not it's not that so I think it comes down to education, right? We talk a lot about education and educating yourself. And I think that piece, the way that things are marketed, the stories that we tell have a huge impact on how we perceive perceive that. I'm excited to hear the stories that you and your guests are going to tell. And I, th- I also would like to point out Dana, as you mentioned it being our you know, the theater major, you have been instrumental in our TikTok. Uh, We've had a channel. lot of fun. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun, right? It's so so important to play, right? Can you tell? Can you talk about that? Because I think you even mentioned this morning. Mm-hmm. People are giving you comments like, "Oh my goodness, you're so brave!" But like, what goes into putting yourself out there in a way that is somewhat non traditional, that yeah. is fueled with comedy, I'll say, Mm -hmm. and personality. And like, it's definitely showing up in a way that I think a lot of people get uncomfortable. Yeah, of course, a lot of people, I think women in particular, we are taught to make ourselves so small, right? Because we don't, we can't be the loudest person in the room. We can't take up too much space. But I think I have learned over my 36 years of life that no matter what I say, no matter what I do, there's always going to be somebody that doesn't like me, who might make fun of you or any of those things. So I've just perceived it as, you know, I'm just going to be me and you can like it or you can hate it. And I'm just going to continue to do that stuff and play and have fun because that's what life is, right? Life is about play. Well, and 
kind of going back to the sandwich, you're a sandwich generation or a yes. sandwich person? Sandwich generation. A sandwich. I just want to eat sandwiches. I want, I want a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I imagine that if you are responsible for taking care of older and younger generations, that there's an aspect of play that is important just to keep your own sanity. Yes, definitely. I think through my son, I've just learned to like, I see the world a little bit differently than I, I, I did. I don't take it so seriously. And just the wonder of things, right? You walk outside and the sky is blue and the grass is green. And so often are we just like, oh, we're at the grind, we're going to work, right? But top, stop and take a moment to just appreciate and take a breath, breathe. Like this is life, right? Just, and also crazy. What if you What if you enjoyed it? You know? Yeah, for sure. What if you enjoyed it? Like just do something completely silly, just do something wackadoodle. Just do it. Like it'll just get get out of your head. Are there any TikToks or different like things that you have done that either stand out as like, oh, that was too much or was just the right amount? Are they all like, anything that just makes you giggle still? I did one where it was a it was a Limp Biscuit song that like, you know, you wake up and you're just in a bad mood. And, and I saw a lot of people doing that and doing their routine. And I actually did one where I was in the shower and I was like, is this too far? So, yeah, you know, you just got to push it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for putting yourself out there. I think you are one of the kindest and most genuine, lovely people that I have the pleasure to know. So I'm grateful for you for taking a stand and really making a point. Like, I wouldn't call it brave. I think it's just like you're genuinely a good person. And so thank you for bringing conversations to light that have every right and deserve to be center stage. Everybody deserves a space to speak their truth. So, and I want to thank you for everything that you do with Hey Like a Girl podcast. We need this in the world. Aw, love fest. (laughs) (laughs) Dana, if people want to follow you, let's point them there. Sure. At Make My Dana. I'm on Instagram. I'm on X Twitter, X or Twitter. I'm not sure. And TikTok. If you want to check out the Hey Like a Girl podcast, TikTok, we're having a blast. That's mostly Dana. Yeah. And she's you're definitely somebody who brings the silly out in me, which is a lot of fun. Yes. So thank you for We that. need more silly in the world. Yeah, we do. All That's right. Me. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to share the conversation. So listeners, get ready. Buckle up. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.